It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Kyle Krabs here, host of Locked On NFL Scouting. Join Joe Marino and me every day as we provide position-by-position analysis of the upcoming NFL Draft. Check out the Locked On NFL Scouting podcast with the Draft Dudes on YouTube or wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. I thought it was important uh, that somebody that we could stay within our, our, our structure. And uh, because of the, the people, the personnel we have returning, that we didn't make it, have to make a drastic change. And so as we, uh, you know, the people that, uh, that I reached out to uh, that way, we only really had one come in officially. <laughs> but, uh, you know, that way to uh, not have to uh, have our players uh, relearn the wheel. You know, there are things that uh, Terrell did the last few seasons in Detroit uh, that are very uh, compatible or, you know, what we do. And for him to uh, kind of shape it now and in, in our defense in his hands and uh, with the rest of the coaches that way. So um, obviously when you take over a uh, similar situation than I did years ago from, from when I left Pittsburgh, that uh, you inherit some coaches and scheme and players. Uh, and so we kind of adjust, adjust the coach a little bit more uh, to, uh, so the players don't have to take necessarily a, a sideways step uh, too much, you know, that we can keep pushing forward with their, you know, their knowledge, but a different way to do things in some ways and, and, and define them. And, and uh, obviously we got to do them better and that's important. So, well, if you have to do them better, what do you have to do now? I'm James Rapine and welcome into the locked on Bengals podcast. That was 10 months. And one day ago on January 11th, Marvin Lewis talking about defensive coordinator Terrell Austin in his introductory press conference. My, oh, my, how the times have changed. I'm James Erpine. Thanks for tuning in today on the Locked On Bengals podcast, the only Bengals podcast that comes at you daily. Every single day we're here. We're talking about the Bengals, and yesterday it was ugly. 51 to 14. Uh, let's talk about it. A quick reminder, you can subscribe on iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, Stitcher, the iHeartRadio app, and wherever you get your podcasts. Also, LockedOnBengals.com has every single podcast posted there. And I'm on Twitter, at James Erpine, at LockedOnBengals. Shout out to the 2,000-plus that follow the LockedOnBengals Twitter account and the 8,600-plus that follow my personal account. If you're not doing it yet, you should. Plenty there, as always, daily. My Bengals thoughts and so much more. Um, Look, the, the Bengals announced that they fired Terrell Austin this, this morning, and we're going to get Joe Goodberry's thoughts from The Athletic in our weekly Bengals film review coming up. But I, I wanted to start with my thoughts. They're awful defensively. They, they were awful. So is this a surprise? No. Is it the wrong decision? No. Does it fix things? Probably not. <laughs> you know, sometimes you make a decision, one, because, man, can it get worse? No. But at the same time, I, I don't know... What fixes it for this team? And I'm not sure anything does. We'll see. But the more and more and more I look at this defense, the more wrong I was. And I admitted it on yesterday's podcast. Let's look at the numbers. Let's dive into them even more. And this is from uh, Jay Morrison of The Athletic. Through nine games, the Bengals last season averaged uh, or allowed 20 per game. This year, 32, which is next to last in the league. They've allowed three points total, three points less than the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, or they'd be last in the league. They're allowing 
133.6 more yards per game. It's up to 454.6. Passing yards is at 313, up from 197. Rushing yards, 141, up from 123. Yards per play, 6.4, up from uh, 4.7. Third down percentage, 41% last year, 56% this season. Opponent red zone scoring percentage up, which I don't know how you get up from 90%, but you do because now it's 91.4. Red zone touchdown percentage up. Last year, they didn't break 38% of the time, 38.7. They allowed a touchdown in the red zone. This year, nearly 69% of the time. First downs, 179 last year for opponents. This year, 238. Takeaways, only five more from 8 to 13. And sacks, five less. That's been the most disappointing thing of this season. The biggest disappointment of this season is the lack of pressure on the quarterback. Drew Brees was hurried twice yesterday. Twice. And one of the times he knew he was going to be hurried because it was a blitz and he held it, held it, held it. It was the first drive. Throws it. Boom. 17-yard gain. Gets tattooed for it. But he knew it was going to happen. This Bengals defense is awful. I was dead wrong about them coming around and figuring it out. And here's the problem. Is... As much as we want to make it about Terrell Austin or injuries or the way the game is called today or lack of tackling or whatever you want to blame, right? None of that's an excuse. Who have the Bengals lost to? All right, they've lost three of four. Who have they lost to? Pittsburgh, Kansas City, and then yesterday. Right? Three really, really, really good teams. That's it. They lose to the good teams. They lose to the contenders. The Saints might be the best team in the NFL. The Steelers are the second or third best team in the AFC. The Kansas City Chiefs might very well be the best team in the AFC. And the Bengals continue to do what they've done throughout the Marvin Lewis era against all three. Lose. Lose, 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 lose. So when the Bengals announced, and when Adam Schefter said it, and I I tweeted out the Bengals statement, but when they announced, oh, Marvin Lewis is going to take over play calling duties, I was like, what does that solve? And that's my question. What the hell do we think is going to be different? Nothing's different. This isn't different. Now, can they still find a way to make the playoffs? I still think so. Five and four. Two games against Cleveland. Denver, Oakland, at Baltimore this week. All winnable games. But after a four and one start in which you had plenty to prove, you've wet down your leg over the past four weeks. That's what it is. You've you've peed yourself. That's what time and time in prime time against the Steelers when the game was on the line in the biggest moment. Really, I mean, think about it. The Saints, I didn't expect them to win. I expected them to lose, as you probably did. But come on, you can't lose 51-14 to 14 to anyone. To zero teams. That looked like Alabama versus Alabama Tech yesterday. I don't even know if Alabama Tech is a real school, but that's what it would look like. The Bengals. Marvin Lewis. I just, they have a lot to prove. And I do think it will be interesting to see Marvin Lewis as defensive coordinator. Maybe he can do them some good. They certainly can't get any worse. You can't get any worse than allowing 500 yards of total offense in three straight games. By the way, they had only done that three times in the past 65 games. What? And now you did it three straight? 
it's insane. And there's no excuse. And opponent matters and injuries matter. And so does play calling. And so does readiness. The Bengals were not ready to play yesterday. And to me, that's on Marvin Lewis as it's on anyone else. So Marvin, you better wake the hell up. You wake up. Open your eyes. Because at some point, at some point, and I don't know when, but if you keep doing this, at some point you're not going to be a coach anymore. You're not going to win a Super Bowl. You're not going to make it your ultimate dream or whatever the hell you want to talk. Wake up. Your team did not show up yesterday following a bye. Most of your fans have already left, and they're going to leave if you lose this week. So wake the hell up. It's on you. Now there's no more excuses. You can't blame Terrell Austin, even though at the top of this podcast, I played how you thought it was your guy. You're the one who made that hire. Not Mike Brown, not Duke Tobin. You did. And it was awful. So you better fix it. Period. And if not, you're going to see less and less and less people going to the stadium on Sundays. I'm James Erpine, and this is the Locked on Bengals podcast. We're going to get to Joe Goodberry of The Athletic in just a second. First, I got to tell you about the official brewery of the Locked on Bengals podcast. Wiedemann's is where it is at. It is. Uh, I love going to Wiedemann's. I hope you went uh, this weekend. They had a St. Bernard Day. They had their beer boxing championships, which I heard were awesome. I was unable to go. Look, if you want to try local beer, and I know there are plenty of our listeners, you guys like craft beers, right? You got to check out Wiedemann's. It's in downtown St. Bernard on Vine Street. All you got to do, you just Google it or go to Wiedemann'sFineBeer.com. They have 15 plus different beers on tap. They have liquor. If, let's say you're not into beer. They got liquor. They have a, a full menu of food. Uh, it's an awesome atmosphere. I try to go there as much as I can. It's right down the street from my house, and it's it's perfect. There's a menu online. There's so much online uh, to check out directions, where to park, etc. All at WiedemannsFineBeer.com. Plus, they're 10 minutes from downtown. I, I mean, 10 minutes from downtown. So let's say you're visiting, and I know I have a lot of out-of-town listeners too. You're visiting. Check out Wiedemann Brewery. It's WiedemannsFineBeer.com. Over 15 beers on tap. And if you like, like, blondes or you like ales, the Belgian Blonde, it's my kind of beer. It's my favorite. That being said, they have an awesome IPA. They have Stouts, Oktoberfest, the, the Royal Amber is a classic. If, if you want to try that, look, what you should do, honestly, if you've never been, go there, you get a flight, and you get a bunch of different ones that you could try. Pick one, pick your favorites, have a couple, stay a while. Heck, tweet me when you're there, and maybe I'll show up. It's literally a couple blocks from my house. Check it out. Ten minutes from downtown, St. Bernard, WiedemannsFineBeer.com. All the info there, directions, menu, and so much more. Let them know that the Locked on Bengals podcast sent you. If you're looking for the most comprehensive NFL draft coverage this offseason, look no further than the Locked on NFL Scouting Podcast. Join the draft dudes, Kyle Krabs and Joe Marino, as they go position by position through the NFL free agent class and into the star-studded crop of college stars who will be selected in the 2024 NFL Draft. If you want to know who your favorite NFL team should be adding to its roster, you need to check out Locked On NFL Scouting. Available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. 
We have Joe Goodberry on from The Athletic every single week for our weekly Bengals film review. Today, a little different, the aforementioned firing of defensive coordinator Terrell Austin. Marvin Lewis taking over play-calling duties. Let's uh, get Joe's thoughts on that and so much more. Follow Joe on Twitter, at Joe Goodberry. Check out his work at The Athletic as well. Joe, your thoughts and your reaction to the Bengals, well, firing Terrell Austin. Yeah, I guess it was surprising because I never expect the Bengals to make these moves that I feel good franchises would have made, um, if not now already in this season. And on the other side, though, I, I you look at it and you look how the teams perform, especially on that side of the ball. You look at the records they're breaking, not in a good way, uh, and you say, yeah, it had to be done. Something had to be done. This team is still 5-4. and four. They still have a chance to make the playoffs, and they couldn't let this defense derail them completely because it's not that They've been ravished with injuries over there. They've had them. I mean, defensive end, Kyle Lawson, linebacker, and Dark West Bernard. But it's they, they have more than enough talent to not be the worst defense of all time statistically. So something had to be done, and they made the move. So I, I, I give them credit for that. Uh, on the other hand, Marlon Lewis is going to take over the, the, the play-calling <laughs> duties. And I don't know if that's good or bad, honestly, but I'm excited to find out. Yeah. I, I, you know, we've never really seen Marvin's handprint on this defense. We always like to assume, and I think there's even young fans that really don't even realize that he was considered an, a defensive mastermind with the Ravens defense that is maybe the best of all time, and that's the reason he got a head coaching job it was because he was such a great defensive coordinator, and it's always been, you know, Chuck Bresnahan's not good enough, Leslie Frazier's not good enough, hey, Mike Zimmer's really good, now the defense is good, and so it's never been Marvin's defense, it's always been either it's not good enough and the coordinator's out of there, or it's Mike Zimmer and it's really good and Zimmer is one of those guys that, you know, I think would have been good anywhere. And then so now we're, we're sitting here like, well, I, I kind of want to see what Marvin can do. It's, it's almost like his last chance, and there's going to be no excuses for the defense. But even then, I think every, anytime your head boss or, or the guy in charge is watching you do your job, these defensive guys are going to respond. So, I, you know, even if play calling is almost the exact same, but these guys are actually given higher effort and paying more attention to detail and railing to the ball and having better communication than they, than they have been. Because James I think we've talked about it every week. There's a lot of issues on this defense, but a lot of them are correctable and fixable. And I think Marvin can can at least do that and get this defense from being the worst ever to being hopefully 20th, 24th in the, in the league, which can help out this offense a lot. Yeah, it could. It feels like there's so much pressure on the offense. And I want to talk to you about that and, and more during this conversation. To me, what, what I think is really interesting, you mentioned last straw for Marvin, and I agree to an extent, and, and I just wonder, because Terrell Austin's Marvin Lewis's guy. That's who Marvin wanted from the get-go. I went back yep. and listened to their press conference, and, and it was a lot of, oh, yeah, th- this is the guy I wanted. It's not gonna, things aren't going to change a ton. This is going um, to be rewriting some things, but it's not going to be a complete overhaul. Well, now, your guy, you have to move on from your guy. How does that look? Like, if I'm Mike Brown, I'm like, all right, Marv, you got to show something, and I'm never going to imply ever again that Mike Brown will be willing to move on from Marvin Lewis. But imagine if these this team's defensive struggles continue. Imagine if they struggle this week against Baltimore, which I think is going to be a tough game. Who knows who plays quarterback for the Ravens? Imagine if they struggle the next week against Cleveland. Like, to me, if you're Marvin, th- this kind of is a chance to prove your worth because if – the defense doesn't turn it around, and maybe you drop under 500. Things could go spiraling in a hurry, and and who knows? I'm not saying this is the case, but who knows? If things go bad here, maybe Marvin Lewis isn't the head coach next season. 
nothing gets a coach fired quicker, and this could be head coach or coordinator, than the perception of having a talented player or players or a, com- a complete unit and not getting the production you feel is warranted for Hugh the players Jackson. that you're either. Yeah, you're right. I mean, you look around the league, every time a guy gets fired, it's because they thought they had a good offense and this guy can't do it or can't put it together or can't bring it together. Just look at guys that position coaches, Paul Alexander just got fired because now all of a sudden the Cowboys offensive line can't succeed. You know, this is what gets coaches fired. So that's why Terrell Austin got fired. You're looking, Marvin's going to take over and, you know, I don't know if a lot of people felt really good about the Bengals roster, but everyone would say it was talented at the very least, even even if it was young in some core areas where they needed. Um, if Marvin can't turn it around, if it's still historically the worst, giving up 500 yards um, of offense to some bad teams that are coming up on the schedule, they only have two really high-powered offenses left in the Chargers and the Steelers. And I think just looking at the schedule, you should get better results just based on that. And if it comes down to week 17 and you're playing the Steelers and they let you up for 500 yards, well then, yeah, I think that's when the focus is going to be placed again on Marvin and saying, listen, you're a defensive guy. You couldn't get the defense turned around. Well, who are we kidding, James? Marvin's here for life, and it's not, even a bad defense isn't going to change that. Yeah, let, let's talk about that defense. Yesterday, it seemed in 51-14, this defense didn't seem like it prepared at all for the New Orleans Saints. I mean, I someone turned to me during the game and said, oh, why do they even have a defensive coordinator? And I wondered the same thing. What the hell did they do, Joe, for two weeks preparing for this game? Because I look at this, and I think that during these 15, 20-minute conversations, sometimes they're longer, sometimes they're shorter with you every week, it seems like we're more prepared for the upcoming opponent than what we saw yesterday. It was ridiculous. And that's the funny thing, because every week we've tried to dissect the defense to say, well, what are they doing differently? What's not working? What is working? And they have tried something new, I think, every single week that I wouldn't have said in previous years with Paul Gunther and Mike Zimmer. And... uh it's never worked for them. And this week, finally, we talked about maybe maybe go out there with three safeties to help you with your coverage over the middle, right? And they did that. And they come out, and they're like, okay, three safety, look, we know the Saints are really struggling at receiver outside of Michael Thomas. They're going to play a lot of two tight end, three tight end. They're going to get, they're going to uh, bunch it up. They're going to spread those guys out. They're going to split out Evan Kamara. So we're going to have an extra safety out there to cover them. And then what do the Saints do is they move them around enough to where they get Michael Thomas on Clayton Sedulum in the slot, and Michael Thomas beats them because of course he would. And so it, it just, even though they, they were like, here's our, here's our last card. We're going to play it. We've got two weeks to prepare for this. They still got out schemed by Sean Payton and the Saints, who, fair enough, have, have out-schemed everybody this season and, and are a high-powered offense for a reason and look like maybe the best team in the league for a reason. But that just shows you the separation of where the Bengals are schematically and, and getting help from the coaches and putting these guys in, in position to succeed versus these good teams. And, and if, you know, losing the way you do to the Chiefs and, and, and to the, the, the um, Saints it just makes you look and say, man, I, this Bengals team could still back into the playoffs, but these are the good teams you have to get over, and they don't even look close. They're not close. <laughs> they're not close, and there are a couple things that stood out to me, and if I'm a Bengals fan today, I'm worried about. The first one was that before a play even started, the fact that going in, you know that Drew Brees is on one side, that that Saints offense is really, really good. Your defense has been really, really bad up to that point. And the Bengals deferred. That alone was ridiculous to me. Why not receive 
know that you need to be aggressive, know that you need to try to get an upper hand uh, at the upper hand against a more talented team, against a healthier team, against the team that had won seven straight games and had beat what a lot of people thought was the best team in the NFL a week prior. To me, that alone, before the game even started, was a mistake by Marvin Lewis and this coaching staff. You defer uh, to the second half. You let the Saints get the ball. They go 15 plays. They take a 7-0 lead. They knock off nine minutes on the clock, and it's just like, wow, that looked like a well-oiled machine. Good luck. And they were just on their heels all game long. And you do that if you think you can go blow to blow for this with against the Saints and come out in the second half and get the ball first sure. and then go on top. And in reality, the game wasn't even close. And it's much like the Chiefs game, right, where they get to a point where we're already saying, when you can't punt because the, the other team's going to score. You, you can't have a failure on offense or the other team is just going to keep piling it on. And we talked about it after that game where are we the only are, – are inside that organization, inside Paul Brown Stadium, are they the only ones that believe this team is actually going to stop the, the opposing offense or, or that they're going to be able to keep pace with them and score 40 points? Because they're the only people in the world watching that game that believe that. And just just little decisions like that. And it's, you know, fourth and one, Matt Langle has a false start. And then fourth and six, now we can't go for it. we got to punt the ball. It, there's really no difference in going for it from fourth and one and fourth and six because I tell you, 14 points isn't going to win the game against the Saints. So I agree with you. A lot of these decisions, and they may seem little at the time, but they're all decisions as if they feel this team is going to keep up or stop the Saints when no one expected that at all. Yeah, and the defense was awful, and I started this podcast talking about it and reacting to the Terrell Austin news, but I want to talk about the offense because the fourth and six, a lot of people are pointing out, and I totally understand that, the other part where the game was decided, it's 21-7, there's 5-34 in the first half. You did defer, which I hated the decision to, but here's when it can come into play into your advantage. You get the ball back, 5-34 to go. You have to go 75 yards. You got to take all 5-34. You can't go three and out. You got to move the ball down the field slowly but surely. Go get a touchdown and leave Drew Brees with zero time on the clock in the first half. So then you get the ball back with a chance to tie to start the third quarter. Instead, they go three and out. Joe, that's when I want to see creativity from this offense. That's when I want to see something from this offense like, ah, you know what? Game's on the line here. This is our go-to play. And instead, there was a ball that went off Tyler Boyd's hands, then Giovanni Bernard ran it for four yards, and then I believe it was an incompletion, and that was that. Or no, Dalton got sacked on third and six. So that that's how it ended. That, to me was your last gasp, your last chance, and they went down three and out, game over. Yeah, and it seems when the Bengals are bad, it only takes one little stone in the road to really knock them off, yep. right? It's, <laughs> it's a punt, it's a false start, you know, by your sixth tight end and a jumbo package that's not even been in that situation. It's a, it's a sack, it's a, it's a holding penalty, it's a drop pass, whatever it is. It only takes one little pebble to, to knock you off your skateboard, and that's the Bengals. And it takes them a while to regather. And against these good teams, they look up and they're down four scores. And they, all it was was they had a three and out, and they had a drive where they had to punt. And that's it. That's the difference in the game to where the game is over before you can even get yourself together again. And, you know, in, in, in that midst of six, seven plays of two drives, three drives, you you wonder where's Joe Mixon? Why aren't they leaning on him? They're you know Giovanni Bernard's in, and I understand they want to get him in the game, get him back, get him involved because he can help this team. But there's so many little plays. This offense ended up running 43 
plays. That is a problem. When the defense is running out there for 75 and the offense is out there for 43, it cannot, that's a not a recipe for success. It's going to wear away the defense. It's a bad defense already. It's not going to get the offense in any type of rhythm, any type of motion. Um, you're going to look and say, well, why isn't this guy used? Why wasn't this guy used enough? Because nobody is going to be used enough in 45 plays. And because they cannot sustain, because they cannot convert on third downs. Third downs are a huge problem. I've looked at it a few times for the athletic on the defensive side, the offensive side. If you just watch the third downs, you get a great idea of what this team is and isn't on both sides of the ball. Joe Goodberry of The Athletic is with us. Follow him on Twitter at Joe Goodberry. Check out his work there. He does uh, amazing work for The Athletic. Let's talk about John Ross because I I played – 80-plus uh, percent of the snaps, he was out there. Some are critical of his performance. I thought overall he played well. I think that, of course, there are going to be times when you think, oh, he should have went up for that a little bit more, went up, tried to make it the tackle, or whatever the case may be, fine. You want to be nitpicky, that's okay. I Whatever the, people want to do there, I'm not trying to change their mind on that. But what I saw from Ross is a really nice route to score a touchdown his third of the season. He got behind the Saints' defense multiple times. They were unable to hit him except for the one from Driscoll. That could have been a touchdown if he had hit him in stride just you know, a half, or a half yard to a yard more downfield. And overall, I was pleased with his performance. Your thoughts when you went back and watched the film about number 15? It was his best game of his career. And yeah, it was only two catches for, what, 39 yards and a touchdown. But the bar is pretty low. Him playing 84% of the snaps, and people say, well, he got hurt at the end. And you, even you said, James, he went to the sideline and was with his teammates. No trainers came over to look at him. He says he's fine. I, yeah, I talked have- talk to him off on and off. That he's fine. Just Yeah, and when you hurt your groin, you're going to feel it a lot, and you're going to limp, and you're going to come back to the huddle. You may take a couple plays off. That is a soft tissue injury that you're playing through is going to affect you. It doesn't mean he's hurt again. It may mean he's out for another month like the Bengals seem to happen this year. But the point is we shouldn't always freak out over little things like that. What we should focus on is him consistently winning on every route they basically asked him to run yesterday. And a lot of them were deep routes, and he was open on a lot of them. Dalton had his, probably his worst performance of the season, and it was not a good mesh with what what was going on. The whole offense was out of sync. They couldn't sustain anything. And, I, you know, you look at Ross and you look at him winning on his routes, and that's all you really want at this point. Is he, should he go up and get some of these passes that are underthrown? Sure, I would like him to be 6'3", I'd like him to be A.J. Green, but when we watch him, it's more like Chad Johnson. Chad used to let balls fall to him all the time, and it'd it frustrate you, but you had Carson Palmer that would also lead him far enough to where he didn't have to worry about it all the time. So I'm not going to rag on Dalton for it. I'm not going to rag on, on, on Ross for the, the mistakes he made. I think the complete team was inept on Sunday. I, th- I think offense, defense, special teams, everyone can share some blame that they were poor. They were bad, bad. That's the only way you lose the way you lose, 51-14. to 14. So Ross's best game, he stayed healthy, and he won on a lot of routes. And that's all I want. And you honestly, you know, it's his third touchdown of the year on nine catches, right? And, and so you look at it and say the guy is productive at this point. He's still inconsistent. He's still battling through things, injuries being one of them. Consistency, reliability. There was a play on a third down where Dalton didn't throw to him over the middle. Same route A.J. Green runs all the time versus cover two, and Dalton didn't look his way and want to pull the trigger. I think there's still some trust issues between the guys, and that happens with receivers and quarterback. I think we talked about it last week that it takes time to build that, and when you do, you can get the results like Tyler Boyd and Andy Dalton have. And 
you know, you just look at it and I say, I'm fine and I'm happy with the way John Ross played. And I'm actually probably going to write about it because it was his best performance of his career. Yeah. And I think it, it's, it just shows, I mean, because he's not expected, he's not going to be the guy, you know, he, he was doing it yesterday without AJ Green. Joe, I know you got to go last, uh, last thing for you, just overall now moving forward, Marvin Lewis is calling um, the defensive plays for this team. He is the defensive coordinator. Now he is the head coach. They have a, a schedule that is pretty favorable. You know, you don't have a, a bunch of high-end quarterbacks. You get Ben again, and you get the Chargers again. Outside of that, not many top offenses on the list. Uh, can this season be salvaged? Can they still make that playoff push? If, if the season ended today, obviously they'd have the sixth seed. But do you think that uh, this team can not only get to the playoffs, but be a team that, depending on the matchup, could have a chance in said playoffs or – are you like like most fans right now today, where it's like, eh, let's look towards the offseason? That's the uh, that's two big big different questions because yes, they can still get into the playoffs. There, they have five wins. You're looking at the remaining uh, schedule. You got the Browns twice. You got the Ravens this week without Joe Flacco. More than likely, it looks like um, you've got the Raiders. You, you've got chances to win, and that should get you to nine wins. You could potentially get to ten. Broncos and, too. Yes, yes, right. There, there is some. T- Games that a playoff team is going to win and should win, and you should expect this team to win. And so, when you look at it, yes, they should rebound. And but they've done this before. Even in some of the playoff years, we were excited to get to the playoffs and watch this team, you know, get an opportunity to compete for the Super Bowl. But when you look at it, they've always beat these cupcake teams and always got destroyed by the good teams. And that's what happens in the playoffs, and that's what happens on prime time, and that's what happens when you're facing these these really good teams. And sure, they've won a few of them, a handful of them at, at random, but when you get in the playoffs, you got to win four of those in a row. And I still sit here and say, I just don't know how they can do that. I just don't see how they can do it. I don't think they've ever really done it in a way where they beat four playoff teams in a row like that. I So, yes. I do believe the, sal- the the season is salvageable, but at the end of the day, what are, what are our goals? What are our expectations? What are our aspirations for this for this Cincinnati Bengals team? And I think everybody would like to see a playoff win and a playoff run. And when I get to that point, I, I step back and I say, I'm still extremely weary that that this combination of decision makers and important players can get them over the hump. Make sure you check out Joe's work uh, at the Athletic and uh, follow him on Twitter at Joe Goodberry. Joe, I appreciate the time. I'll talk to you next week. All right, thanks, James. Good stuff there from Joe Goodberry. You can follow him on Twitter at Joe Goodberry. Check out his work for The Athletic, like I said. It's really good stuff. It's really good. Oh, man. Tomorrow, well, we can react to Marvin Lewis hiring Marvin Lewis. I mean, we can talk about that some more. We can talk about how the hell this team is going to rise up to the challenge and figure it out. I hope they can. I'm just not sure they can. We'll see. All of that as we roll on here. I'm James Erpine. Thanks for listening today. If you missed our our post game podcast 51 to 14 edition when the saints came marching in please check that out and until next time i'm still upset 51 to 14 what the hell kind of crap is that (laughs) i'm james erpine have a great night have a great day thank you so much for tuning in back at it tomorrow until then thanks for listening to the locked on Bengals podcast 
Is your team eliminated from the playoffs and in need of reinforcements? Maybe it's time for a rebuild, or maybe they're just a player or two away from taking home the Lombardi Trophy. Either way, join Keith Sanchez and Damian Parson for Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. They'll tell you which college football stars your team will be taking in the 2024 NFL Draft. Check out Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. If you're looking for the most comprehensive NFL Draft coverage this offseason, look no further than the Locked On NFL Scouting Podcast. Join the draft dudes, Kyle Krabs and Joe Marino, as they go position by position through the NFL free agent class and into the star-studded crop of college stars who will be selected in the 2024 NFL Draft. If you want to know who your favorite NFL team should be adding to its roster, you need to check out Locked On NFL Scouting, available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.